Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. He says at one point, uh, somebody has to be the 70th best golfer in the world. Why not me? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantees implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. At the beginning of the school year, he had buried a quart jar of pennies underneath his house. He drew a treasure map so he could find them again. A week later, his mom cleaned out his room and threw away the map. Vern had been trying to find those pennies for nine months. Nine months, man. He didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Hey, hello, everybody. Hi, it is buddy. Yeah. Hey everybody. <laughs> it is episode 54 of Recotopia. Uh I'm Chris Atkinson and I'm Jeremy Scott. And today's big recommend will be Stand by Me, an excellent Stand choice. Uh by Jeremy. Uh and we'd uh, once again like to welcome all of you who are watching us on a Tuesday on in a- chat on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, thank you guys for coming out and watching us, uh, talk about movies and such sometimes, sometimes, sometimes ingredients and things that you can get at grocery stores and Mm. things like that. We talk about that. And sometimes Mm. probably if you're listening to the outtakes, things about traffic. (laughs) Um, uh, but, uh, all right. So Jeremy. Do you yes. have any small recommends for us? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee. Dude, I am overflowing uh, with small recommends, and I'm going to keep it at two, but I've got some stored up for next week. Um, my first small recommend is a new Netflix television show. It's called Full Swing, and it is about um, professional golfers on the PGA Tour, uh, and it's made by the folks that made the Formula One show, Drive to Survive. Um, Drive to Survive uh, is the show that my brother started watching with no Formula One knowledge, and now he is a Formula One freak. Um, (laughs) He, when he came to my house for a weekend, he got up super freaking early to watch a Formula One race, and I was blown mind blown um but he's super into it now and so when i found out those same people were making a show about golf i thought there has never been a show more up my alley now that's not necessarily true um i have a lot to say about this show but i'm gonna try to keep it short this show is made for people who are like my brother was to formula one who don't watch golf and maybe don't know anybody besides the biggest handful of names um I watch every single round of every single golf tournament that's broadcast. And so there is a lot of these episodes that is tournament footage that I have already seen before. Um, Many times I know exactly the shot that's going to be made uh, and exactly who's going to win. So it's weird for me to be a little bored by those parts of the show, but Mm -hmm. then really enthralled by all the behind the scenes and interview stuff that they throw in along the way. And they're telling really interesting stories. The best episode is the fourth one. It's about a a golfer named Joel Damon, who is unknown uh, and is just one of the most self-deprecating, coolest, chillest dudes. uh, And nobody, I didn't know who he was much uh, before this show. He says at one point, uh, somebody has to be the 70th best golfer in the world. Why not me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so i am recommending the show in the hopes that more and more people will check it out and get hooked on golf and start watching golf i know three people 
that have started watching this show that have already expressed an interest in watching upcoming golf tournaments that had mm. never really been golf watchers before. So I'm very much hoping this does for the PGA, what Drive to Survive did for Formula One, uh, which is kind of make it mainstream. Um, and uh, there's just a lot of really interesting behind the scenes stuff. Some of these guys are clearly not coached <laughs> and yeah. things that i'm not sure they wish they'd said but anyway full screen mm -hmm. on netflix it's about 45 minutes an episode eight episodes in the season i'm almost positive they're going to pick it up for a second season um mm -hmm. but there you go that's my first small recommend yeah i have just enough interest in golf to watch this i think <laughs> um uh it's it's uh, it's interesting uh uh when uh, over the course of a, a a year you know i'll jonathan and i will sit there and talk about baseball we'll watch we'll watch games not involving our teams and things like that right. and all that type of stuff and uh so we so we have this like you know this sort of this uh incredible knowledge of baseball not as much as some people but like uh, more than the average person but then jeremy jeremy like every weekend there's a golf tournament he's like there's this golf tournament and it's super close and there and there's and there's blah 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 and it's like oh what is this it's the what the pan am uh handshake open or something and you're just like <laughs> <laughs> and you're like okay <laughs> like, i've never i've never i've never heard of this but oh it's close okay i may watch that then you know because sometimes you know on a sunday yeah it's like that that dead zone of five to six o'clock or whatever you want to watch something kind of compelling or whatever oh but man also yeah so so jeremy watches all these damn tournaments it's amazing yep. so um uh all right so uh catching up on uh, all the oscar nominees and things like that i watched a movie called after sun Ooh. uh has uh, uh paul mes paul mescal is the uh nominee here uh for uh, for uh i think it's supporting actor um uh but uh this movie is uh has uh got a pretty high it's like 7.7 .7 on the imdb and like you know i, I hadn't heard much about it and uh so I, I watched it and it's one of these movies by the end of it i was like i don't know if i like this movie i don't know if i like this um i'm feeling kind of curmudgeonly about this movie and then i started just thinking about it and by the end of it i was like oh this movie's really good now that i think about it it's really good. It really fooled, like it, it not fooled me, but it pulled the wool over my eyes or whatever in a way that was like, it's hard to, it's hard to describe really, but it, it focuses on this girl named Sophie played by Frankie Corio, who, uh, is, is on vacation with her dad. And we only get snippets of, of things about her dad and what the, what, you know and her mom and things like that like what's going on with with him it's all from her perspective so if you if you keep that in mind you're going to be frustratingly missing a lot of things because it feels like you should know more about this man that she's this 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 her father as as it goes along but if you're if you're watching it from a child's eyes it really does like sort of you know it sort of makes sense by the end of it but it's it's a vacation that they're taking and they're hanging out they have fun they have their moments where things you know aren't so fun every once in a while you know she'll whip out a camera and she'll she'll be shooting him and and he's doing something and like you know it, it catches some moments where you're like if you interpret it just a certain way you'd be like oh okay so this guy's really depressed isn't he he's really depressed and 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 it doesn't it doesn't really f come full circle like you don't really notice for a while and meanwhile there's this sort of all this intercutting all the way through it where an adult sophie is going through a dance floor and it's strobe lights and it's just sitting there like doing this now i can i guess i'll tri i'll give you a trigger warning about that because that strobe light stuff uh is it's it i was like my god i can only imagine you know uh what what epilep you know epileptic right. people might be thinking about watching a movie like this but uh she's wanting to go through this dance floor and she's approaching a figure you don't know quite know who it is 
And then as it gets closer and closer, you're realizing it's her dad, but you don't know if that's like, uh, in the future or if it's in her mind or if it's like, you know, a whole bunch of stuff going on in there, but it's really just sort of a coming of age story with some sort of like hints at what's going on with the father and the movies, uh, the movie tr doesn't really like uh, give you any easy answers. And by the end of it, I felt like this is, I think a lot of times people use the word haunting maybe a little bit too much when they, when they're talking about certain movies or whatever, but this one really does truly feel like a haunting experience hmm. by the time the movie's over. And it has an incredible final shot that will have you talking for a while uh, <laughs> about, what that what it meant and and uh and how much impact it has it's hard to really describe what's going on it's really just you know it's they're at a vacation resort and she's doing vacationy things she's on mm. she's in the pool she's uh meeting her first boyfriend quote unquote uh she's hanging out with the with the older kids who are who are obviously doing things more more advanced than she is mm. it occasionally goes to the future and it goes to the adult sophie and she's in uh, she, and, and shows her life now and she's about to have a birthday and, and, it, and it's really sort of how this, how her birthday is triggering her memories of back then mm. when her father was having the birthday around the same age. Mm. And, uh, and it, it, I, I really, one of those movies, I seriously didn't know if I liked it for a long time. And then finally just came up onto the thing that it's a haunting, just uh, a really well done experience. I highly recommend this, Jeremy. I think, mm. I think that you will like this. I will say that all through this, you because of the way this movie's uh, presentation is, you are constantly going to think that something bad is going to happen to her father, and I won't reveal whether or not something bad happens to him. I will say that if something does bad, something bad does happen, you will not see it, uh, on ah. screen. Ah. So, so it, it, uh, it is a highly recommended movie. I think you, I think you may really love this actually. Well, um, and you might I, have the same feelings as I did watching it. Well, I was, I, I'm almost positive. I can buy this, uh, to watch on Amazon because I, I flip through there every weekend to see what new early access movies you know you can pay like 20 bucks to watch at home instead of the theater i think this is one of those um and it de it's definitely one of the ones i've paused on and go should i watch this should i watch mm -hmm. this no i'll just watch hunt for october again um <clears throat> but uh again <laughs> i'll bump this up the list <clears throat> yeah i i i if if you're looking for like lots of like crackling dialogue and uh and uh just amazing exciting events you're not gonna get that but um, but I, but I've seen a lot of movies like this recently where there's not really the, the point is to show a slice of life mm. and it's not, and it, and it, and it's, and it's sort of like a very matter of fact way of, of presenting it. And, and, uh, and a lot of times I feel real cold afterwards. This one, mm. I didn't, I just didn't feel that I, I, I felt like this is one of those movies that really makes you think afterwards, uh, about what you just saw and what it all meant. And, uh, really 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 enjoyed it so um speaking of something that stays with you and makes you think mm -hmm. um my next small recommend is an hbo documentary called all that breathes mm. um, <clears throat> i believe this is nominated for some awards it won some festival awards uh, here we go. Uh, nominated for an Academy Award in a documentary category. Mm. Um, this is, um, I'm already telling people, friends, that this is the Roma of documentaries. Um, mm. And it's kind of funny because there's even a plane going overhead reflected in a puddle in this movie, which happens in Roma. Uh, but that's mm -hmm. not why I'm calling this the Roma of uh, documentaries. This is about two brothers um, who are doing all they can to help uh, injured and sick kites. Uh, this mm. takes place in Delhi, in India. Kites are a bird of prey that's common there. And in uh, Muslim belief, uh, feeding kites helps ex expel troubles. 
Uh, and so these boys grew up seeing their relatives, you know, throw meat up to the kites to feed them. They appear to be throughout this movie as common as seagulls on the coast. Um, they're everywhere. And these two guys out of their own little business where the way they make money is they make soap dispensers. Um, but they use almost all the profits uh, to, to bring in these injured and sick birds. And the community has slowly begun to realize you can bring these birds to these guys and they'll, you know, set a broken bone or um, heal a cut and sew it up. And they basically are just, that's their thing. That's what they do. Um, and this movie is so fucking beautiful. I, mm, mm. I almost don't want to say any more about it, except that I've been spending so much time the last day and a half thinking about my own life. What, what will my legacy be and how important is that even? And the movie has a lot to say about this as far as the temporariness of us. And, you know, Delhi is falling apart around them, both in terms of riots and the world's biggest landfill. And the air is becoming unbreathable for both the kites and the humans. The camera work is gorgeous. I just, I'm so in love with this movie. I want everyone I know to see it. And I think there's even a part near the end where he says, um, all of life um, <clears throat> is important and we're a community of air. That's what he says. Mm. Um, mm. And I just, you know, these characters, the characters, it feels like a movie. It's a documentary. Mm -hmm. These men even discuss at one point, you know, once we're done, once we're dead, you know, no one's gonna no one's gonna pick up the slack no one's gonna be helping the kites but it's still important that we are doing it um <clears throat> i don't know i'm i'm tripping over my words i wish that i'd waited a week to recommend this so i could be more mm -hmm. eloquent i just this movie has smacked me in the heart uh mm -hmm. and uh i love movies like this so um <clears throat> anyway it's on hbo max it's called all that breeds watch the trailer uh the trailer gave me a hint of that and if the, if the trailer moves you, um, then I think the movie will as well. So there you go. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. Second okay. Well, I'm definitely going to watch this when I get a chance. Um, yeah, I, I do. I do love movies like this. So it is okay um, for kids. I see Shaggy Nuts seventy eight asking. Um, it is okay mm -hmm. for kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got to assure the guy, the the uh, the person named Shaggy Nuts, that it's okay with kids. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, you know, it's funny. We, 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 we've, we've just two in a row. We've done like, so movies that are just like this super meaningful and, and like, uh, you know, kind of out of body experiences. And then we're going to end it on my, uh, last small recommend, which is Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, oh, uh, okay. from 1974, uh, <laughs> super deep talk, about humanity here. Talk about whiplash. Um, um, well, I mean, it does have its it does have its moments, but it, uh, of, of thinking about life, but it's not like quite like what we just went through here. But uh, uh, but um, uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot was directed by Michael Cimino, I believe it was his day uh, feature debut, um, and it was uh, it came out before the Deer Hunter and everything. Um, and it stars Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges. Bridges uh, in the seventies is a wonder to behold. Like we love him now for all of his old curmudgeon type of roles that he's done. But, uh, watching him in the seventies as a young man is, uh, is a, is a fun sight. But, uh, the movie begins with, uh, we see Clint Eastwood as a preacher at this small church. I believe they're in Idaho at, at the at beginning of this movie. And, uh, a, a man comes into the church and starts shooting at him. And, uh, and Eastwood runs out and, uh, gets chased down by this man, uh, happening at the same time, Jeff Bridges has gone to a car dealership and, uh, get, gets into this Trans Am and, 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 and the, the, the dealer is like doing his, doing his full on car salesman shtick. Um, and, uh, Bridges is giving him, you know, giving him some, some idle chatter back. 
And uh, dealer's like, yeah, man, just go ahead and rev her on up. See what you feel about her and blah, 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 and all that. Of course, Bridges revs her up and then all in the ruse to take off in the car and steal it. Uh, as he is uh, uh, absconding with this Trans Am, uh, he ends up running into the situation where Eastwood is running away from this man and Bridges actually hits the dude that is chasing uh, Eastwood. Eastwood ends up getting in the car uh, with him uh, and they sort of strike this unusual friendship uh, at the very beginning. It's not, of course, it's not like immediate or anything, but Eastwood is hurt. They go out into the woods. He does something to like pop his shoulder back in or something like that. Hmm. And Jeff Bridges says, you're definitely not some, he, you're definitely not a preacher. You're not like you, you've had a life, right? <laughs> you find out about Eastwood and that he used that he was, uh, uh, a guy who, who stole from this, uh, this place called the Montana armored and he stole 500 grand with his buddies and hid it behind a chalkboard in a, in a, in a one room schoolhouse. Um, and, uh, he now, and because of some misunderstandings of what happened after the money was stolen, now all of his former partners want to kill him. And, uh, and, uh, that's what's going on. And one of those partners that wants to kill him is played by George Kennedy, um, who ends up after trying to kill him, uh, they all decide all, all he and his partner who are trying to kill Eastwood have this sort of agreement where they're like, you know what, why don't we go and just steal from Montana armored again and just <laughs> and get the money. So obviously a lot of things have to happen for them to get into that state of mind. But one of them is that they go to is that Eastwood goes to the, where he, where the one, the one room schoolhouse is and finds out that it is now a full fledged elementary school and that, uh, that there's no way that they would be able to get that money, uh, now, or it's been found and no one has said anything about it or whatever. So that, so, so the hopes of getting 500 grand, are dashed. They decide to steal from Montana armored again. And so, uh, the, the whole thing after this is a big sort of a heist movie hmm. at this point. And what happens with that? And it, you know, they got the, all the classic things of heist movies are in here, the plan, you know, what are they going to do in the plan? How are they going to, how are they going to execute it? And then of course, you know, if you've ever seen a heist movie that the plan doesn't always, you know, doesn't always work out. Uh, and then there's plenty of surprises left in store for this movie. It's really you just watching Eastwood and Bridges and George Kennedy and all these guys interact with each other. Uh, and it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, these 1970s movies back in the day, you know, just, I don't know, just had a spirit about them. Uh, obviously, there are some moments, not too many, like you're not too many moments. You go, oh, you, that's the seventies, all right. But there's <laughs> quite a, there's quite a few moments that don't play well today in this movie. But uh, it's a whole lot of fun. This movie's <laughs> a whole lot of fun. So uh, I would highly recommend this one. Uh, so there you go. You've been on a bit of a Eastwood tear off and on here. Yeah, right? kind of. And and uh, Eastwood has probably one of my favorite facial expressions ever in this movie there's a scene where uh bridges takes two women back to their uh hotel room and bridges is like you know well this one's yours and then this one's mine or whatever and then he goes off into another room and eastwood doesn't look like he's wanting to be any part of this but the next scene is like this this woman is on top of him and they're having sex and she's like she's she seems to be enjoying it and it, and it shows shows her shows her and then it cuts to eastwood and eastwood's got this look on his face like just like he's <laughs> <laughs> just like, it's kind of this like i don't even know i can't i can't even enjoy this and it's one of the best <laughs> It's one of the best expressions ever just to see Eastwood doing that. Anyway, um, there you go. That's a fun movie. And, 
All right. I guess All it's time right. for the uh, big recommend. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Oh, after that, the big recommend is Stand By Me. Uh, mm-hmm. Rob Reiner believes this to be the best film he ever made. Yeah. Um, I had not seen this, even though this was my recommend this week. Uh, I had not seen it in years and years. And boy, oh boy, uh, am I glad I recommended this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, hot damn. Other than a few slurs, what would be considered slurs now, um, mm-hmm. that weren't at the time the film was made, um, it doesn't feel dated to me. Uh, it still gave me all the coming of age feels that mm-hmm. uh, a coming of age movie ought to give. Uh, and I was struck this time out by the child performers. Um, yep. Who I think are maybe a little too young to be this good. Um, <laughs> I read behind the scenes on IMDb that Sean Astin auditioned to play uh, the role of Chris. And he went immediately after River Phoenix. And when he walked in the room, he knew instantly he wasn't going to get the part because everyone was crying and all emotional. <laughs> and he knew that River Phoenix had nailed it. Um, yep. This is some really fine acting from four young men. Um, one who is sadly gone. Um, this is a story, mm-hmm. a fairly simple story. One of a group of four friends is uh, underneath the porch digging for pennies, uh, as you do. And mm-hmm. uh, no, he had buried the pennies under there and then forgot where they were. Um, yep. Overhears his older brother and another gang member talking about a dead body that they'd spotted. Uh, and they decide not to tell the rest of the gang uh, or the police uh, because they had stolen a car and they don't want to really have to talk to the police for any reason, let alone maybe get caught for having stolen this car. So then uh, it's Vern, I think, is the younger brother who's under the um, yep. <clears throat> under the porch. And he goes to the, to the clubhouse and tells the other three friends, hey, what if we did an adventure? What if we all told our parents we're going to do a camp out in my backyard? And then what if we went and looked for this dead body there's this kid in their town about their age who's been missing for like three days i think at this point mm-hmm. um and that's who the dead body is and so uh they decide to do this plan they decide to go on a big ass hike for miles and miles along the train tracks to find this dead body which is supposedly near the train tracks because they want to be in the newspaper as the people who discovered the dead body. Actually, everybody who's looking for the body in this movie, their motivation is fame, basically. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. Is, just speaks of the era, I guess. Um, but they're like, we'll get our picture in the paper for finding this dead body. So the first real dust up along the way is when Teddy wants to dodge a train, which is, I guess, you stay on the tracks until the last minute, and then you jump off. Um, which, again, uh, I didn't grow up quite in that era <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. not something yeah. my friends and i ever tried to do but chris pulls him off um and then there's a big fight 
And one of my favorite things about this movie is how often they fight, because I feel like that's really true to 12 year old friendships. Um, Mm -hmm. They are also in equal measure, incredibly supporting of each other throughout at various times. And I just think it's a very real portrait of that age. You're not quite a teenager. They even say at the end, see in junior high, Um, Mm -hmm. but you're not really a kid anymore. And so, you know, you're insecure. So you pick on even your friends. Um, They end up chilling in a junkyard because they need to get some more water. And uh, looks to me like they're just dodging the sun for a little bit. Uh, And they do this uh, contest and uh, they make Will Wheaton um, go get the food while everybody stays mm-hmm. there in the shade. They have two, $2.37 to spend, which is a number mm-hmm. that Stephen King seems to like. Um, yep. and, and I read on IMDb, that's the purchasing power of $21 in 2021. Um, so that it makes sense that they're able to buy hamburgers and buns and stuff for all. When he gets back though, to the junkyard, everybody's gone. And he turns right at the last moment to see the junkyard man, the junk man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, hey, you. And he starts running. And he sees his friends are already climbing over the fence to get away. And there's this legend of the dog that guards <laughs> this junkyard, Chopper. And that the yes. guy will yell, sick balls. And the dog will come and chew your balls off. <laughs> and so Will Wheaton runs the daylights out of himself trying to get away from this dog. And he just barely makes it only to hop over the fence and turn around to see just a goofy ass mutt. Like mm-hmm. no dog to really be worried about there. Um, yeah. Probably would have let you pet him. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, then the junk man is really, really, really extraordinarily mean to Teddy. Uh, Teddy's father has mental health issues and is in a hospital for that. Um, and the, the junk man just cruelly taunts Teddy for his dad being insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and Teddy wants to climb back over and fight this grown man. Uh, mm-hmm. And then as they finally pull him away and walk away, you know, Teddy breaks down. Um, interesting. <sighs> I just love this movie, the way that everybody kind of gets a moment to feel loss and be vulnerable in front of their friends. And they are so supportive in this moment. They're like, fuck that guy. Your dad mm-hmm. stormed the beaches at Normandy. That guy mm-hmm. didn't. Um, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> then they come to what is probably the most famous scene in the movie, uh, the big tall train bridge uh, that's a hundred feet up in the air over water, and they debate whether to cross the train bridge or go down the mountain and go around. And Teddy says, "Well, you guys can go around. I'll be waiting for you over there. Uh, I'm walking across." And so they're like, "Well, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a chicken too." So they all walk across, um, <clears throat> and sure enough, a train comes uh, before they are all the way across. And <laughs> Jerry O'Connell's Vern character has been crawling on his hands and knees. Uh, and when they seize the train, he at first tries to just do that faster. And Will Wheaton has to mm-hmm. come and drag him up and say, no, you have to run. Um, and they, of course, barely jump off the last bit of tracks before the train comes through. And I think that jump probably should kill both of those children when you finally see where they are because there's giant ass <laughs> rocks. And they, go, they easily jumped 20 feet down and there's rocks everywhere. But hey, um, <clears throat> this is, you know, sort of a, I don't know. I feel like this is almost kind of like a mythical kind of tale, uh, like a Homer Odyssey kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, at the campfire that night, uh, they asked Gordy to tell him a story because Gordy's, of course, uh, a writer uh, and a really, really good one. Um, and uh, it wouldn't be a Stephen King story if there wasn't a writer in it. Um, yep. And he tells the story of the grossest scene in the movie, uh, a pie eating contest where a large boy who is tired of being picked on um, intentionally poisons himself so that midway through a pie-eating contest, he will vomit uh, gargantuanly and uh, hopefully get his justice on everybody who's made fun of him by making them vomit as well. I remember when I was younger, I could not watch this scene. Um, Mm -hmm. It plays a lot more comically to me today than it did, you know, when I was in my teens, Um, Yeah. And, you know, it's a, I think it's a funny little story. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, his friends criticize the ending, um, which is, I think, 
an in joke about Stephen King's stories having endings mm. that are weird. Specifically, um, Vern does. <laughs> Vern is the one who, or was it Vern? It's, is it uh, Vern? it's it's Feldman. It's uh, Teddy. <clears throat> Teddy, the, the Teddy that criticizes the ending. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just like, and he and he says, which shows you what's on his mind. Why don't you just? Why didn't he go home and kill his father and then join the National Guard or something like that? <laughs> I'm like yeah. Jesus Christ, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Teddy's been through some shit. I mean, I, yeah. honestly, all these kids have. Vern gets made fun of for being fat. He doesn't really look very fat in this movie, but that's you know a measure of obesity in the 80s wasn't yeah. as bad as it is today um and you know chris is, is he's part of the bad family in town and no one ever expects that he's gonna do any good um and uh, teddy's father is gone uh and will wheaton's dad is a zombie because his will wheaton's older brother has recently died in a car accident and so john cusack i forgot that entirely that he played the mm -hmm. older brother in flashbacks yeah um <clears throat> I love the campfire night because we get that story and we get the fun and then they do their smokes and all that stuff, but then they have to stand watch because they hear coyotes. Um, and you know, that provides this moment, um, for Will Wheaton and Chris, uh, where Chris breaks down, um, about mm -hmm. feeling worthless. Like no one's ever going to think he can amount to anything. What I'm guessing is the audition, uh, uh, scene too, because that's, it might be that IMDb says that Rob Reiner thought he could do better. And so he asked him to do a take where he specifically thought about an adult that had let him down. Mm -hmm. And that is the take that ended up in the final cut. Um, it's just incredible acting. Just like 12 years old. These people are doing tradecraft with acting like leaps and bounds beyond anything I ever did. Anyway, they, uh, the gang, finally uh finds out about the body this is Kiefer sutherland's lead gang um and they also want to go find the body so they can get their picture in the paper mm -hmm. um and uh the kids do get there first and it's it's not what they it's not an adventure anymore um mm -hmm. they're i think all affected by it with there's this great pause where i kept wondering how long is he going to let this pause go because mm -hmm. right when they see the body and nobody says anything and it's clear they're all going why did we do this yeah. this is not cool i'm freaked out mm -hmm. but the gang shows up um before really anything else can happen uh, of course as happens throughout the movie old adults threaten to beat up these young kids um and uh will wheaton has to pull out the gun the checkoff's gun that river phoenix brought along mm -hmm. fired in the air and scare off the gang members i'm pretty sure in a few days, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's going to stab the shit out of that kid. Um, <laughs> but, but for today, um, they win the day, uh, and they go home, and they're all clearly changed by this experience. Um, and then we go back out to the Richard Dreyfus writer who opened us up, um, finishing up this story he's writing, um, and then he goes off to play with his kids. Um, man, I have a few other things to say. But uh, I adored this movie this time through. I'm interested to see what your experience was like. Yeah, I mean, this is always, uh, this is one of those that uh, I feel like I've seen a hundred times, but I've probably only seen it all the way through three times after this. But it's one of these that used to come on cable a lot. And they used to, used to watch certain scenes and especially the campfire thing where they're talking about what the hell is goofy and yeah and uh i love how they just intercut the what the goofy debate with all these other little uh thoughts that they have like you know like i there's a great there's a great line in there where wheaton says i always knew the sixty four thousand dollar question was rigged how, how could anybody know that much about opera <laughs> <laughs> you know um and um but but yeah, the but but and then just intercutting with other people like Goofy's a dog. He's definitely a dog. And it's like, but he <laughs> but he rides a, he drives around in a car and he goes to work. <laughs> it's, it's huge debates about that. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a there's a, you see the kind of actor I believe River Phoenix was going to become. Um, you know, you and I have our, you know, our favorites that he's in and in his short life. I mean, uh, last crusade he's in that for just very briefly. 
uh sneakers of course uh uh is great and then his last movie uh was shot here in mm. nashville the thing called love um uh was uh was just before he died um he was going to be i i often wonder this is one of the biggest what ifs for me how big does leonardo dicaprio get yep. if river phoenix doesn't die because DiCaprio, I think DiCaprio, been at least that big right i think so i think yeah. he was definitely on the track to be that um but who knows i mean you know i mean he could also just become a character actor and we're just like oh we love that river phoenix you know whatever but like but he seen he was he was definitely a heartthrob guy who was mm. uh who had a lot of talent so you can see that in this in this movie and he's i think he's slightly older than all the kids here um i think they shot this in 1985 and he's 15 whereas like jerry jerry o'connell's 11 and and you know there's they have ages in between but it's clear he's old he's he's got that authority presence uh among these four kids not only the kids in the movie like he's obviously the leader right. uh no doubt about it but he's also probably the no, no doubt the leader of this of this acting crew too like you know um so i i was really impressed with him and especially a lot of the scenes where it shows him uh you know especially when he's talking to will wheaton who because they're the best friends out of this four yeah. four group uh every time will wheaton starts thinking like you know bad like he's worthless and all that he's like that's your dad talking man that's bullshit you know don't 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 you know he's like you wrote that story and it was great and he's sort of become what john cusack was his his, yeah. his brother was his brother was so supportive of him there's that great scene too where he's there around the dinner table and and um and everybody wants to talk about how you know he he uh, was awesome in this football game and everything and benny's like do you, you read your, you read my you read my uh uh read this story read gordy's story it was great yeah. and uh and and all these guys their parents are just like nah don't want to talk about it and he's like and and then he turns to him he's like that was a great story though it was a really good story yeah. you know he's the he was the only support system and once that once he dies these yeah. parents you know that this is a i i don't i don't know how common this is i'm not but these these parents have just completely shut off they don't right. they don't care about what the what gordy feels at all like he's non-existent to them at this point and it's really sad, but it's a very Stephen King thing to have these kind of parents in the, in his yeah. stories. And it's interesting to me always too, when I see this guy, uh, is it, it's Marshall Bell who plays his dad. I always, as soon as I see him, I think he's dude, the, uh, Stephen, what's his name? Uh, God, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Um, I have to look him up. Uh, um this is be really good radio i've got to look it up but it's um i always think he's stephen collins when i first see him oh okay okay because his eyes are similar the facial features are similar and he's he's been all you know you've seen marshall bell and a bunch of stuff but it takes me like like a five second learning curve to realize it's not stephen (laughs) collins and then his his mom is the one is the mom and from back to the future is lorraine's mom and back to the future Yep. but uh but yeah just seeing them when he's he's asking about where his canteen is or whatever out from the from the window and they're just doing this like mindless tasks and not even like paying attention to him and everything you really feel for this kid yep. and you don't you don't feel like he's in an, a like a physically abusive situation I mean, he's certainly in an emotionally abusive situation mm-hmm. there um and uh and he seems like he might have a better life than these other three kids but the other three kids you know as much as their home lives are bad too um you know he's 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 suffering just as much as they are uh, in in a lot of ways and 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 it's really sad too of course when you watch the alex winter documentary about kid actors and stuff like Mm -hmm. that like all i think nearly every one of these kids like i don't know about jerry o'connell um but nearly every one of these kids had similar backgrounds to uh, what they, the characters they're actually playing. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Corey Feldman said this was as close to anything that he'd ever played 
to his real life apparently wow. so um but yeah this movie is is you know it's it's kind of like the i guess the body is kind of a a macguffin really in this in this thing it's really yeah. just a, a, a means for which they go on this adventure i think someone uh uh someone uh was uh in the comments said what about the leeches and like yeah that's a that's a that's a scary moment when they go through the water and they come out and there's all these leeches and of course and of course uh gordy looks down in his underwear and he notices one that's that latched on into another place yeah. and uh 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 the 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 funny thing about that that i read was that they didn't want to put them in real water because they didn't know what real they didn't they didn't want to put the kids in real water because they didn't uh, know what kind of what was in the in the water. But they ended up making this pool for them that sat around for three months, yeah. apparently. So, like, it was still mystery water when they went in it. I um, love that beat where he uses the stick. He goes, it's not that deep. We can walk across. And they go, one, oh, yeah. two, plunk, <laughs> they all fall straight down into the water. It's such a funny comedic <laughs> beat. Yeah. Um uh the the uh the the other the thing that they talk about the pie eating contest i think a lot of times if you watch this on the first go round, you're like wait a minute this guy's supposed to be some amazing writer this is a pie eating contest where everybody throws up on each other how's that how does that forecast into somebody great and it's like the kid is 12 years old man yeah. That's what they're going to write about. They're going to write about poop and 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 farts and and all sorts and and people vomiting on each other. And it's a great story. It's a great revenge story if you throw out some of the. I mean, the silliness is part of it, but like it's a great revenge story when you think about it. This guy is constantly hounded for being yep. a lard ass. People yep. always are just like yelling at yelling that at him. And everything and then he got, he gets his full-on revenge by like drinking yeah. a whole thing of castor oil which is yeah. the grossest part of them i think really drinking is. the whole castor oil is the grossest part of that story he cracks um, a single egg into his mouth <laughs> <laughs> i don't think yes. it's an accident that the protagonist in this story is somebody who is downtrodden and picked on yeah. and you know because that's the perspective gory would write from and that's the kind of perspective all these kids would relate to um i love that bit you mentioned where chris is basically trying to lift gordy's spirits by saying you're an awesome writer man you're gonna go out there and do great stuff and get out of this town it reminded me so much of when ben affleck confronts will yes. and will yes. goodwill hunting and says you know i could keep waiting for you to wake up and realize what a gift you've been given and so i can show up here and you'll be gone and i know you're finally living your real life um just very i'm very moved by these kids their acting and how supportive they were to each other because uh, it just it just felt real. I had I feel like I had friendships at twelve, and of course the whole thing ends with you know I never had any friends as good as I did when I was twelve. Jesus, does anyone? Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that's part of why the film works because you, people, he even says people drift out of your life. You know these, two, you know Vern and Teddy drifted out of their lives after a couple more years and just became bodies they passed in the hall at school. Uh, mm -hmm. But for this one two day period in this one summer, they were as tight as could be. Um, <clears throat> well, anyway, as, uh, Castro says uh, quotes in the movie, you could even write about us if you're hard up for material. And it's funny to think about this because Richard Dreyfus is playing the older Gordy in this uh, to think about like when he's writing the story that you're loving, you're loving every minute of watching Stand By Me and everything. And then uh, by the end of it, you're thinking, "Whoa, is he hard up for material? Is he finally he's finally writing about the friends? Is that what is that what this is this what this means? Was he in a was he in a writer's block for a while there oh, before he finally that, started that's started writing about this? <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, um, and then you know the it, of course it's a super sad uh, into the movie where you know the, everybody has these friends like it's amazing to think about like how you're like those kids who were your friends uh th that's all you all you hung out with them every day and, and then suddenly you go to a school and go to a, or go to different schools or something like that and you don't ever see them again 
Mm-hmm. And, 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 and like he says, he's like, you just had faces you pass in the halls and it's like, yeah, that's exactly how, how it goes. I mean, I know plenty of people I knew back in that day where by high school, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to hang out with those, those kids. Yeah. Like I don't anymore. don't have anything in common really with them anymore. Um, but, uh, but, uh, it, by the end of it, we find out that Chris, uh, takes college courses and he ends up being a lawyer and then he ends up trying to break a fight. Uh, and this is something that I stumbled across on the IMDb trivia that I didn't really give much thought to, but he, in that scene where they're at the body, Kiefer Sutherland's about to cut his throat yeah, and he gets stopped, but that's exactly how he ends up dying Yeah, is by trying to stop a fight and somebody's got a knife and he stabs him, stabs in, the him in the throat. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a really sad ending, but, uh, it's just, just so true to life. And, um, yeah, uh, I, a really well done movie. Rob Reiner, again, could not do any wrong in yep. this period of time. I will so. say somebody who did wrong was whoever wrote the fucking captions for this movie, because those are some <laughs> of the worst closed captions <laughs> Any, I've ever seen. Anything <sighs> that's in this era, uh, you know, the, anything that's before probably like 2010, is yeah. going to be like this uh, yeah. but but now because of uh kids are actually turning on subtitles for things because of the yeah. way things are mixed uh these days and i'm glad that i'm not crazy because i used to think that it was just my hearing and my hearing is going bad i'm getting older but like the, the the way they mix things makes it hard to understand stuff a lot of times. Like, why can I watch this one thing and I can hear voices clearly and I honestly can't hear it anymore. But like the, they've started doing these like amazing subtitles and it got a, a bunch of play when Stranger Things that last season came out because, because people were turning on the subtitles and getting entertained by the subtitles. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, all right. But well, yeah, but the, now, I mean, yeah, in the eighties, terrible. They're always going to be terrible. I uh, am curious to see what you've chosen for our super secret double feature for today. Be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Man, there's so many things that came up on this one. And I think no matter what I come up with, it's going to be like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, (laughs) I mean, everybody's, I mean, there's there's really like not anything that I could come up with as far as a, an offbeat double feature. Right. One that I thought of was it chapter one because of the Stephen King connection, the kids mm-hmm. connection. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that one seemed like a good one. American graffiti. I think really just because of the era in which it's in mm. um, uh, is, it was another one that I thought of. Um, and uh, then there was uh I think there was another one i can't remember but i'm gonna go with the goonies on this yes! um, you're the man the goonies is uh is a is a is a perfect uh compliment to this kids on an adventure um uh you know uh just sort of uh, has that same feel goonies came out just a year before this movie came out. Corey Feldman is also in the Goonies. And of course, see, we had that Sean Astin, uh, story about, uh, you know, him going in after river Phoenix. Sean Astin is in this movie. I am sure. I am sure a lot of these actors here probably tried out for the Goonies too. Yep. Uh, so, um, uh, it's a perfectly, perfectly good compliment to this whole thing. So, uh, that's what I'm going to go with. Nice. I, I applaud that choice. You're right. Because I, I like to try and predict what your double feature will be, but mm-hmm. I immediately had like seven ideas and I was like, yeah, there's so many movies that will work here. And there's really not, like I saw somebody in the chat say, um, oh, I got to scroll up and see what it was sleepers. And I'm like, Oh fuck, don't choose sleepers. Yeah. Um, but I understand why sleepers was thrown out, but it totally, oh, and, that and- would be a big, too big of a shift. I think. And another one that was thrown out that would have been really good is Sandlot, especially since Sandlot has another has a has a similar uh, legendary dog that will kill yes. you uh, story in it. Uh, so the Sandlot would be an amazing uh, compliment to this as well. Uh, yeah. But uh, make it a triple feature, quadruple feature. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway. all right, so uh, let's talk about homework for next week. So uh, a few weeks ago. 
I was like, I want to recommend this one movie, but I can't find it streaming anywhere. Guess what? Just suddenly started streaming. Yeah. What? Strange Days. Oh, wow. I, th- I saw this movie in the theater, and, and that's the only time I've ever seen it. All I remember yeah. was that it was trippy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing you've um, seen it more recently. <clears throat> I have. I I, 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 had, I had to order this like a special Blu-ray that's region specific to, to watch it. <laughs> of course it is. Um, and uh, and uh, so, uh, but anyway, yes, I've seen this recently. So do want to mention a couple of things. There are some triggering moments in this movie as well. Um, there is uh, rape. Uh, I would say it, I would say it's graphic enough Mm. to be very disturbing. Um, and then there is a suicide that happens, uh, towards the end. I think you will know who that person is when they're about to do it. It is pretty quick though. Um, I don't think it's great. I don't think it's graphic, but it is enough to be like, Oh shit. That it's going to be like that. So there's, there's, there's that anyway, Ray Fiennes is in this Angela Bassett, uh, Tom Sizemore again, (laughs) Tom Sizemore, who was in everything, I think in the mid nineties, uh, uh, it's got, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and William Fickner in it as a couple of cops and, um, and, uh, Glenn Plummer plays, uh, a, uh, plays a rapper who has been killed by the cops in this and uh james cameron apparently came up with the story uh came up with the basic story for strange days uh, in the 80s but then when they were shooting terminator 2 that's when the rodney king beating happened mm. and 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 apparently it happened right around the corner from where they were filming some stuff or oh, wow. close by or something like that uh, so James Cameron ended up writing uh, a lot of this, and it ends up uh, being directed by his then wife Catherine Bigelow, who has, of course, has a tremendous uh, filmography that I think we're after the Hurt Locker. Everybody sort of like started going back and like, oh wow, Catherine Bigelow is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. And, you know, didn't didn't fucking realize this. And Strange Days is a movie just like you, you know. You said you saw it back in 1995, and that was the end of it. Same here. But I had caught some th- parts of it recently, and my sci-fi loving brain hmm. really has grown to appreciate this movie. Um, uh, over the over the years, and um, and. Uh, and it's just one of these, it's, it's going to have some moments where you're like, wow, this movie kind of predicted a lot of things that have mm. happened. Uh, and it is also aware of things that were happening that we were in the dark about, but, uh, it's an odd, it's an odd thing. Cause it's a 1995 movie that's in the future, the distant future of 1999. <laughs> and, um, and it's about, uh, uh, it's about these, uh, headsets that can capture, not only video of what you're watching, but capture what you're feeling. And then it records all of that and people can buy that and they can, they can feel what the person felt while they were watching the videos. And that's Mm -hmm. what Ray, Ray finds is going around selling this type of stuff. So that is the movie for next week. I can't wait to talk about it because it's a movie that doesn't get talked about very much these days. It's just, it's a movie that doesn't have much, hasn't had much streaming uh, capabilities and it just got on HBO max. So I'm really, really, really excited about a new audience watching this. I had a lot of, a lot of things in the, in the, in the queue there. And I was going to, I was going to name a bunch of movies there, but like, uh, but, but strange days, let's get it while it's hot. Let's get it well, while we can. And it's HBO max. Correct. Is that where it's at? Yep. And, yep. uh, I have a, a dozen movies that aren't streaming anywhere that I check every few weeks. And once they pop on streaming, they're going to go up to the top of my recommend list. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I'll be curious to go back to this. I, I, I literally only remembered that it was set in the future and I remember feeling like it was tripping. So, uh, I'm looking forward to experiencing it as my now self. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> All right, I think we got time for one question. All right. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Uh, and we'll do this first one. What movies are you looking forward to this year? Um, let me get to my list because I, because uh, yeah, this is this is fun. 
this is fun when I had my list up and then just suddenly the thing starts to, um, all right. So the ones that I, the new mission impossible movie Ooh, is uh, yes, yes. one that I want to watch. I want to watch Oppenheimer, uh, oh, just yeah, cause it's yeah. Christopher Nolan and uh Spider-Man across the universe. I think that will, I think those are the three that I'm, I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. Already seeing Spider-Verse showing up in the chat. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to this Ben Affleck directed uh, Air Nike movie about uh, pitching Michael Jordan on um, being their spokesperson. The trailer does not really do it for me, but Ben Affleck as a director has only made one movie that I didn't think was great. And I still think that movie is more watchable than most critics did. Mm -hmm. um, so Ben Affleck directing again, um, that is exciting to me. Uh, and mm -hmm. then um, hopefully at Sin Week, John Wick 4, because my boy Donnie Yen is in that movie. And it's also a John Wick movie, and everything will be dialed up to 14 or 15 by now. I think the second movie dialed it up to 11. So, yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> definitely looking forward to that. Uh, the trailer was insane. Um, <clears throat> all right. I think that's probably going to do it for today. Yep. Uh, that'll do it for today. Next week is strange days. Um, and, uh, once again, would like to thank everybody in chat, uh, for coming out today and watching us, uh, do this, uh, do this thing. Uh, uh, really appreciate it. So, uh, we'll see you next time. See Bye you. everybody. Bye. part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com <laughs>
coming through oh, yeah. uh, the interstate. And I, um, I, I sort of put my resolve in to just say, I'm going to pick a lane. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to drive a certain speed that will not be the, uh, what everybody wants, but you guys got to go around me and I'm not going to try to go a speed that I might have to get into another lane and pass somebody else. Some, at some point I'm fine driving. What is the speed limit in Atlanta is more, it's like you driving 35 miles an hour, I think. And, um, (laughs) these cars, man, there's cars that are like seriously racing each other like for real racing each other and i don't think they know each other they're just like oh you've got a car that's going fast i've got a car that's going fast let's see if we who wins quote unquote this race which there's no winner there's no prize to be had there's maybe yeah, talking to you no finish maybe, maybe talking to your buddies afterwards and say, <laughs> that car tried to pass me and i didn't let him but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've seen stuff like that, but not, I don't think that bad, that fast. It's but a Sunday night. It's starting to happen. Where you gotta be? It's a Sunday fucking night. Yeah. When I was in college, we were like 50 miles from Chicago. And so the cool thing to do was to go to Chicago and do something awesome. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it's like now, because um, that was almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm, fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, once you got on the loop, Chicago, virtually every car is going 90 plus miles an hour and you have to do that or you will be killed. Mm. And it scared the shit out of me the first, maybe my whole freshman year, but you know, eventually I just, it just became automatic. I remember I took a date to Chicago, like my junior year and she had never been on the loop and it freaked her the hell out. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is nothing. I've been doing this for three years mm-hmm. now. Um, <clears throat> that's probably the scariest driving I've ever I think- been in. I hear boston is bad but i haven't driven in boston that's something that we get in our heads though that we have to maintain the speed everybody else does or else we'll get run over or something like that and i'm like i'm sorry uh you have if i go a speed that i desire you're just going to have to go around me and that's what's the site that's the ended up being the psychology of it was i i could go faster but it's not going to be fast enough for you it's just not so why not just go a speed that's safe, and then when you see that you're about to, that you're coming, you're closing the distance between you and me really fast, you just get into another lane because that's what you were going to do anyway. So mm. why don't we just why don't we just uh, dispense with the bull here and just you know, so yeah, man, I, I was just driving the speed limit and and it, i felt like i was driving really slow but i was not was not driving slow <laughs> say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.